Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm Jared Brummett, audio engineer and editor, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. In this episode, Rob delivered a message at Shadow Mountain Community Church in El Cajon, California. As always, we would like to invite you to visit robertjmorgan.com, where you'll find Rob's blog post, podcast feed, bookstore, free resources, and more. If you've not already, be sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. Now, here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. I am so happy to be here. I'm sorry uh, to be here because I'm worried about Dr. J, but I talked to him. He's resilient, and uh, he's doing so well, and I love him. He's a mentor, and I appreciate his inviting me to be here. I was here only a few weeks ago, but not many of you were. (laughs) And um, Dr. Jeremiah called me. He said, we had very low attendance. It was either you or the hurricane. (laughs) And I said, maybe it was a little of both. (laughs) No, he didn't say that at all. But uh, we did have that rough weather when I came, it would be the one weekend in 80-some years you'd have a hurricane that I would be here, but I was so happy to come and so happy to come again. I have a 59-second Bible study every day on social media, and I have a weekly Bible study podcast, so check those out. And the books that we have are on the subject of anxiety, calm your anxiety, which is what I want to talk about today. The whole world, it seems to me, is undergoing just a long, endless corporate panic attack. Every nation, all over the country, particularly Washington, is just going through conniption fits of anxiety, and so are we. I mean, I feel like sometimes my whole life has just been an endless series of panic attacks because I'm sort of given to that. But nothing is new. And when people say this is the age of anxiety, I tell them, well, read the Bible. Every age is an age of anxiety, and you can begin in Genesis and go all the way through, and you will find many heroes in the Bible who were worried or who faced anxieties at various times, but they learned, the real heroes of Scripture learned how to deal with those before the Lord and to trust Him. And that's our great task today. And what I want to do is to give you seven anti-anxiety verses. I've gone through the Bible and found that word anxiety. It doesn't occur very often, although the concept is all the way through the Scripture. But I want to show you seven verses that talk about anxiety and one for every day of the week. So this coming week, at least for the next seven days, I have you covered here. And we're going to begin with uh, with, uh, Psalm 94. So if you have your Bibles, we'll have the key verses up here for you. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 94, and we'll begin with today's verse. This is a verse for today, Sunday, verse 19. Psalm 94 and verse 19. And the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Now, what a phrase. And the multitude of my anxieties that are within me, inside of me, 
Your comforts and consolations are a delight to my soul. Now, this is coming from Psalm 94, and I don't want to just give you isolated verses, but we'll deal with them expositionally and in context. And Psalm 94 is about the vengeance of God, which is a very important subject for all of us. In fact, the Apostle Paul quotes from this in Romans chapter 12, when he says, when people abuse you and you can't do anything about it, give it to the Lord because the Lord says, it is mine to revenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So he says, the Lord is, he knows how to take care of you and to make wrong things right so you can trust him. And he is getting that concept from Psalm 94. It begins, O Lord God, to whom vengeance belongs, and taking advantage of him, hurting him, and abusing him. And all of us at one time or another have people who take advantage of us or abuse us. The psalmist says in verse 4, they utter speech and speak insolent things. And they say, we can say and do anything we want to because God isn't going to do anything about it. But the psalmist says down in verse 8 and 9 and 10, the one who created the ear, don't you think he hears you? And the one who created the mouth, don't you think that he knows what you're going to say? The one who created the mind, don't you think that he knows what you are thinking? And then in verse 12, blessed is the person who you instruct, Lord, who you teach out of your law, that you may give him rest from the days of adversity. And then we come down to our key paragraph, verse 17, unless the Lord had been my help, my soul would have gone down and settled in silence. And then verse 18, right before our key verse, if I say my foot slips, your mercy, Lord, will hold me up. Now, I love that phrase, your mercy, Lord, will hold me up. I was reading Elizabeth Elliot the other day, She says that in the Eastern Church, the Orthodox Church, they have what they call the Jesus Prayer. And it's very simple. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And she said she knows a man who was about to undergo a very serious surgery. And as he was going under with the anesthesia, he heard his physician say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. And they've learned to pray that prayer. And this verse says, the mercy of God holds us up. I've got a four-year-old great-grandson named Clay. And he ought to be swimming by now. He's almost there. But we'll get in the pool and we'll say, now, Clay, here's what you do with your hands. Here's what you do with your feet. And here in the middle of the pool, it's way over your head, but we'll hold you up while you practice. And we wouldn't let him drown for anything. Obviously, the Lord will hold you up. He will obviously not let you drown for anything. His mercy holds us up. And then we come to this verse. And the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. So notice the word multitude. This man is not just worried about one thing. He's got a number of things that are coming against him, and they are weighing him down. His heart is anxious, but he says, and the multitude of my anxieties, your comforts, and the word there in the Hebrew is plural, because we have more than one anxiety, and so we have multiple consolations or comforts from the Lord, and they will delight my soul. So when our problems multiply, and they do, you know, you may not have a big problem with 
acute or chronic anxiety, but all of us go through moments when we have real worries in life, no matter what our age, from children. Children are very worried now, many of them, about many things. We read about it. The psychologists are talking about it. We all have anxieties and worries, but when we are anxious and the anxiety is within us, His comforts delight our soul. So, when our problems multiply, His grace multiplies to us. This is what Annie Johnson Flint said in that wonderful song and poem she wrote that says, He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength as our labors increase. To added afflictions, He addeth His mercy. To multiplied problems, He multiplies peace. So, that verse here, Psalm 94 verse 14, uh, 19, will work for you. It will work all the way today until you go to bed and right up until midnight. In the multitude of my anxieties within me, your comforts delight my soul. Now, we have a verse for tomorrow as well, and it's in Psalm 139 and verse 23. Psalm 139 and verse 23. This is Monday's verse, tomorrow's verse. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, it says. Test me and try me and look and search me and know my anxieties. Now, I love Psalm 139. I preached through this psalm not too long ago. And it's all about the various qualities and attributes and characteristics of God and how they intersect with us in a very personal way. So, he begins by saying, Lord, you know everything. You are omniscient. You have knowledge of every single fact, past, present, and future. And so, you know me. And you know what is going on in my life. And you are everywhere. Heaven and earth cannot fill you. And so, I can't get away from you if I go up If I go down, if I go beyond the sea, you are there with me. And he says, your power and creative ability is so great that you molded me and wove me together in my mother's womb. You know all about me, and you've planned out my life, he says in verse 16. And this Psalm 139, verse 16, I think is my life verse. I found it not long after I'd given my life to the Lord in full surrender when I was 19 years of age, and somebody gave me a copy of the Living Bible, and I fell in love with Psalm 139 from the Living Bible, and verse 16 says, you saw me before I was born and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day is recorded in your book. I've got my 11-year-old grandson, Owen, with me today, and So, we are memorizing this verse. I'm helping him memorize it all week on this trip. And it's just a wonderful verse. The Lord knows everything that is ever going to happen in our lives. And He made us so wonderfully. He knows our problems. So, the writer here comes down and says, search me and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So, let me paraphrase that for you. What he is saying is, Lord, you know every detail about everything inside and outside of my life, past, present, and future. You are everywhere, and you are with me all the time. You are so powerful that you made me even beginning an embryonic form in my mother's womb, and you have scheduled out every day of my life 
So will you please look at me and figure out why I am so anxious when you are so wonderful? What is wrong with me that in the light of your omnipresence and your omnipotence and your power and your creative ability and your care for me, he says, your thoughts for me are so many, they're more than all of the grains of sand on all of the shores of all of the oceans in the world. What is wrong with me that in the light of this I should be worried about anything? Fix me, Lord. Look at what's wrong and take care of it. Help me to grow in my trust so I don't, I'm not anxious about all of these things and I can go through life trusting you with them and lead me in the way everlasting. That's what he is saying here, I think. Search me, O Lord, and know why I am so anxious. Help me to figure this out and see what is wrong with me and fix it and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, that verse will work for you all day tomorrow. Now, on Tuesday, I want to take you to Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, a very short little verse here, but very wonderful. Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in the heart of a person causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. If you harbor anxiety and it gets worse and worse in your life, it's going to lead to depression. And I know a little something about depression. Many of you do. It's hard to pull out, although with God's help and the help of the right people around us, then we can overcome these things in life that pull us down. But it's better not to get in that situation to begin with and to deal with your anxiety. But how do we do it? We need a good word. Anxiety in a person's heart leads to depression, but a good word, well, it delights the heart. It brings joy, or as it puts here, it makes it glad. Well, I want to tell you that this book here, it's small enough I can just hold it and wave it around like this, but this book is full of the good words that you need for whatever may happen to you in this life from the moment you're born until the moment you go to heaven. This is a book full of good words. So the great secret and the technique that I want to uh, suggest to you is that you learn how to go about this process of finding the good word you need. I've got a young man, I think he's 21, maybe 22, but he's just a terrific fellow that grew up under my ministry, and he comes by regularly, and we talk, and he lets me counsel and mentor him. You just love him. And recently, he went through, I'll not describe it for you, but several very upsetting episodes in his life, and he came to me, and he was clearly upset and discouraged and down. And I said to him, I want you to try something. This is something that I've done for a long time, and it works for me. And I gave him a pad of paper, a little notebook, and a black pen, and a pen with red ink. And I said, when you get up in the morning or when you go to bed at night, or as often as you need to during the day, but at least once a day for the next couple of weeks, sit down and just in a few words or sentences, write down how you feel. I mean, try to identify your emotions. They're swirling around inside of you, but can, you can deal with them better, and the Lord can deal with them better if you can isolate them. So, well, I'm feeling very sad about this. I'm feeling discouraged. I am angry about this, or whatever, and just write it down. You don't have to write a lot. You might, but you might be just a little bit. But after you've done that, 
then open your Bible and begin reading where you left off the day before, or go to the Psalms, or maybe to the book of Philippians, or maybe to the Sermon on the Mount, and just reading and say, Lord, I need a good word. And the Lord will give you one or two or three verses that will just instantly connect with you, and you will know these are the verses that I need. And take your red pen and write those verses down in red. And then you just put it before the Lord. It's very simple. And you say, Lord, I'm in the black zone, but get me in the red zone and help me to score a victory. So he's been doing this. And the last time I talked to him, it was just by phone, but he said, I'm so much better. I want to tell you all that you can get in the red zone. You can figure out what's worrying you and then go to the Bible and find the good word you need and then say, Lord, get me from here into here because anxiety in a person's heart leads to depression, but a good word makes them glad. And that verse will work all day for you this coming Tuesday. Now, on Wednesday, I'm going to take you to Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, in chapter 17. Jeremiah, chapter 17. And here's our key verse. It's number 8. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its root by the river, and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor cease from yielding fruit. Now, Jeremiah, he began his ministry. Now, he had a melancholy personality to begin with. You know, some people, I think I'm a little bit like that. We're just born in sort of a melancholy uh, state. But other people are born, and they're just very sanguine and happy. I knew a man. He lived uh, uh, not quite as long as Miss B, but he lived way up there. And I don't think he ever knew a sad day. He was always so optimistic. I wish that I could be like that. But Jeremiah wasn't. And he started his ministry on a very high note when there was a revival under Josiah, and he was propelled into the ministry. But then King Josiah was killed, and from that point on, everything went wrong in his life and in his work. And his nation crumbled around him. Nobody listened to him. They persecuted him. He was beaten. He was put in the stocks. On one occasion, they threw him down in a miry pit, and his feet sunk down into the mud until it was coming up here, and he thought he would die in that cold, dismal place. He just had a lot of difficulties. But he knew the secret of how to remain victorious in his spirit, and he puts it here. And he says in verse number 7, the preceding verse, blessed is the person who trusts in the Lord. Now, this is the real answer. You have to trust the Lord with the things that are overwhelming you or the things you cannot control. You can't do anything about them. You cannot do the impossible. He does the impossible. We do the possible, but we leave the rest to Him. And Jeremiah said, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is in the Lord, for he shall be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river. And he is repurposing here what he had read and long studied from Psalm 1. I think Jeremiah was a great student of the Scriptures that had preceded him, and he knew the Psalms of David. And in Psalm 1, David said, Blessed is the person 
who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the word of the Lord, and in that word he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season. Its leaf will not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. So, Jeremiah here in chapter 17 is repeating that, but he is adding to it. And he says, in essence, blessed is the person who meditates on Scripture day and night, and out of that learns to trust the Lord, because the basis of faith for the Christian is in the promises of God. And when in the middle of a difficulty you find a promise of God and you place your faith in that promise, then your faith grows. The Bible says that faith groweth by the Word of God. It comes from hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And so, Jeremiah is building on all of that, and he says that man will be, or that person will be like a tree planted by the waters that spreads its root by the river, will not fear when the heat comes, its leaf will be green, and will not be anxious. Will not be anxious. The person who's rooted and grounded in Christ, and whose roots go down to the river of the Holy Spirit, and is invisibly drawing up the fullness of the Spirit with all of the nutrients of the Scripture because they are grounded in Christ, that person will always be flourishing and fresh and green and fruitful and will never be anxious in the time of drought. Thank you for digging into the riches of the Bible with me. This episode was produced by Joshua Rowe and the marketing company, Clearly Media. Audio editing and engineering is done by Jared Brummett. Editorial supervision is by Sherry Anderson. And Luke Tyler takes each of these episodes, condenses them, adds an opening outline, and posts them as blogs on my website at robertjmorgan.com, where you can find many other resources. Music is by Jordan Davis. Thank you for tuning in, and may God be with you until we meet again.